time so you see i've been practicing you've been you're hurting my ears somebody said to me uh you get together you're gonna get together with friends again you know you don't sing like you one time sang and boy do i not sing like i one time sang oh god ladies and gentlemen that was my version of hurt which kind of is the lead-in to today's performer because we have there's a variety of, of, of performers that are part of my uh, part of my personal repertoire of favorites that kind of get eclipsed by the more popular but there was a woman by the name of Timmy Euro Rosemary Timotea Euro a nice Italian girl nice girl nice girl she was uh, born on August the 4th 1940 and uh, yes known professionally as Timmy Euro and she was called the little girl with the big voice. The big voice. And you and I have a soft spot in our hearts for uh, blue-eyed soul singers. And she was considered the first, I guess, uh, blue-eyed soul singer, influenced by Dinah Washington and Nancy Wilson. She took their stylings and was able to with assistance market it to a more pop audience than just a jazz audience or a traditionally uh, what was called album oriented um, you know middle aged group it's interesting she reminds me a lot of Brenda Lee there's Brenda Lee in there but Brenda who was also Lee. a little girl with a big voice. But, she was more country. But she was more but, country. But, uh, you know, whereas this one more urban, uh, she's, she was discovered singing in her parents' Italian restaurant in Los Angeles. This record, Hurt, made it to number four in 1961. It was on the Liberty label. The B-side was I Apologize. The producer was well-known Clyde Otis. Um, and uh, the original, which came in 1954, was by Roy Hamilton. Yeah. You can have her, I don't want her. Roy Hamilton. There's another vocalist who, uh, who, is, who is never spoken about, but he was very, very influential. Elvis um, speaks of Roy Hamilton uh, as a major influence in his vocal development. Um, the, the interesting thing about about Timmy Euro is um, her recording of What's a Matter Baby in 1962, written by Clyde Otis and Joy Byers, um, is a really good uh, pop record with a nice rock arrangement.
Yeah, I believe that uh, Phil Spector had something to do with that one. And Although it's it's credited to Bob Johnston. Yeah, it's credited, credited to Bob Johnston. Um, but T- Timmy Euro did not allow herself to be pigeonholed into any particular uh, style of music. When Johnny Ray, the 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 singer of Cry, who was one of the most popular singers of the 50s, was hitting his peak, she recorded a duet with Johnny Ray. Uh, and uh, Yeah, so that, that idea of the cry and the voice, which we've spoken of when we talk about Jolson and some of the others, Jerry Lee Lewis, um, that Johnny Ray is the perfect duet person for Timmy Euro. They both you know, had that cry in the voice. And um, and I'm wondering, you know, in, in the Yiddish they call it the Nikishrai, but I'm wondering what it's called for an Italian. <laughs> but I'm sure there is a word for it. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is a word for it. And I'm, I, I, probably Al Martino used it in The Godfather, but uh, it, it innovated us. Um, she but you're, you're right. I mean, uh, she was nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist in 1961 and developed, worked with all of these phenomenal people. Burt Backrack, Jack Nietzsche, Quincy Jones. She opened uh, for Frank Willie Sinatra. Willie Nelson. Yeah, yeah. She opened for Sinatra in 62 in Australia. Yeah. So she became a Vegas act later. And she was, uh, you know... That that became her destiny, the uh, the mature pop sound of the day. But for all of the adult-oriented material, as it was known, she still appeared uh, on the Lloyd Thaxton show on American Bandstand on Where the Action Is. If you remember Where the Action Is, they were basically oh, of course. they mm-hmm. just lip-synced songs on the beach. And, um, to Clark on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, and that was his... Uh, yeah, I believe the uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders were uh, like uh, the uh, house band. Well, they were the superstars of that particular show. Dick Clark was going to make them very, very famous come hell or high water. And with the help of uh, Charles Manson's friend, Terry Melcher, the son of Dara's Day, those records, and I listen to them today, to, to this day, and... Uh, you hear the version of Hungry and uh, Quentin Great Tarantino's. Uh, yeah, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino, I think, used that cut in uh, Once Upon, Once a, Upon time a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. And you just the just the idea of uh, Sharon Tate listening to it in that particular scene. It's just beautifully crafted and fits that. It's it. They're, they're great records. So, you know, you've got this. Um, she's she's got this multiple uh, appeal but she's working up until 82 and then she gets sick and this is yeah. where this is where it's so ironic that the girl with the big voice was brought down by throat cancer yeah yeah throat cancer and um, the unfortunate element is that she will never know what she was really capable of um, 
after after her illness. I mean, it, it incapacitated her dramatically. But she was recording up until 1982, and there are still collections that are coming out of material, some of it newly discovered. Yeah, she relocated to the Netherlands, of all places, in 1981, and recorded on the Durico label. Yes, yes. So she had hits from 61 to 75. And uh, and became a staple on the Northern Soul uh, circuit. Yeah, yeah. So With, she, um, It'll never be over for me. She was able to capture a piece of every entity that she stepped into, every uh, every form of entertainment that was popular at the time of musical entertainment. She was able to find herself a place in, whether it be rock or whether it be pop or whether it be Las Vegas, um, and that's that was not a traditional move for most singers of of the day. They were not allowed to move like that. So she was pretty much greatly respected and very much admired uh, in the industry. And uh, the song Hurt has been covered uh, most, as you say, most uh, importantly by Elvis. So by Juice Newton, Little Anthony and the Imperials, Peebo Bryson, Carly Simon. It's been covered many times. It's been covered multiple times, and I think the reason that I find the, the Presley version, and I have all of the takes from, this was when he was too sick, or felt too sick to leave the house. Um, they brought all the recording equipment into the jungle room at Graceland and recorded a variety of cuts, Hurt being one of them. Um, and this is shortly before his death, and as I've said many, many times before, um, some of the songs he recorded before his death were these, uh, these prayers. And due to his relationship with Priscilla and Unchained Melody being another, that was performed so exquisitely just a couple of months before his, his, his death, um, they take on a whole new meaning. And what he was able to get out of himself uh, for someone who was dying, that makes it, next to Timmy's version, the best version of the song I, 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 I could imagine because it cut closest to the heart of what that song was all about. Well, all this talk is making me longing for a little hurt in my life. Bill, I'm gonna hurt you now, baby. Timmy Yearl, hurt. I'm so hurt. 
You said your love was true And we'd never, never, ever part Now you want someone new you'll ever know Yes, darling I'm so hurt <laughs> Because I still love you so But But Even get enough of that anymore we don't get enough <laughs> we don't get enough people talking like in the ink spots if i didn't care if i didn't yeah. care it's a nice it's a nice touch it's very nice it's kind of like it it makes things more intimate and um particularly recordings of that uh of that era but uh, why do you think they that practice ceased well, I'm not sure that it has. I mean, you know, uh, Springsteen is a, uh, a famous monologist. Well, no, you know, he loves he loves you know doing his raps and taking you in and out of the the music. Well, what he does is he will stop in the middle of a song and he'll turn Tenth uh, Avenue Freeze Out into a 12 minute number because he's doing a gospel salvation thing as he did yeah. in Madison Square yeah. Garden. Yeah, yeah. But that's, He's a master of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I, I'm talking about the, the 50s R&B and what became known as doo-wop insertions yes. where as in the record Little Darlin' right. by the mm -hmm. Diamonds, there's a white group that took uh, that took a song and inserted that and that was very popular they were kind of mocking it in little darling sure but um it was a very popular style so i'm, I'm just talking about that little insertion where you get very personal. it's a it's it's a it's a good tool for the toolbox a tool for the toolbox so you're saying it's basically a uh, a mechanism to yeah. utilize yeah it's a dramatic device a device yeah you know. hmm. but i but i think you you hit on it when you say it makes it more intimate because what there is a, a a bridge between you know waking and dreaming the dreaming being the music 
and the waking being your conscious mind, and the music being your subconscious mind, and it's kind of it kind of just bridges you in and out. I think you nailed it. I think you pretty well just nailed it. I think it's it's taking that dream state and grounding you for a second and then putting you back into the dream. Yeah. Yeah. That very well. Nicely said. Nicely. Uh, oh, thank you. Nice. I, I didn't think of it in in those terms. I always all those years in drama school were not for nothing. No, those years in Iowa, those drives with Miles <laughs> Davis uh, playing, and for those of you who haven't heard Bill's Captain Billy's Magic Eight Ball, where he <laughs> where he recites his psychedelic adventure uh, via motor vehicle with Miles Davis. Oh yeah, don't miss that one. Don't miss that one. It will. Uh, it will. Uh, it will place you in another world. Believe me. Miles, Miles knew what he was doing. Miles knew what he was doing. Miles the shaman. Miles. Miles. But he, but he couldn't sing. He couldn't sing. But he, he didn't have to. The trumpet he didn't, he didn't have did to. all the singing. He did, did all the singing for him. But we had women like Timmy Euro, and they, uh, they utilized the great instrument of the voice. And, uh, yeah. I'm so hurt to think You'll be okay. that you lied to me. Try those tears. Bill, I'm getting a little too, getting, getting a little too uh, nostalgic, so we're going to have to say goodbye. So uh, until next time, make sure you look at our Dig This page. You catch our Put on a Stack of 45 podcast. By the way, this program is called Put on a Stack of 45s. And don't forget Captain Billy's Magic 8-Ball with all the great narration and uh, 8-tracks that Bill pulls from his wonderful uh, collection and shares the intimacy of those with you. So it's a beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen. We want you to have a wonderful... Uh, this is where... I don't know when you're going to hear this, but it's Labor Day weekend we're approaching. and uh, I Memorial hope I, Week. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I don't even I don't even know what holiday it is anymore. <laughs> Memorial is the one where the the service people are honored. The Labor Day yes. is where the motor workers get honored. Working men and women. Working men and women. And then we have Columbus Day. What's that about? Columbus Day is gone. That's, He's been canceled. That's been canceled. <laughs> it's been canceled. <laughs> now it's Indigenous Peoples Day. It's been canceled. Oh, the mess in his in rare form. Ladies and gentlemen, put on a stack of 45s when you have a chance. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>